Welcome back to Herald Review Outside the Box Podcast. I'm sports reporter Joey Wagner. We're sports editor Justin Kahn and Tuscola football coach Andy Romine. Andy, Friday you suffered your first loss as a head coach in the regular season and you were excited to get back to practice for the first time that your season didn't end. What has this week been like after that and how did your kids react and was it as you hoped they would? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that's important. We've talked about uh, over the last few years, you know, you got to have a chance to get stuff fixed before it's too late. And I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, when you lose a game, the things that are being preached and talked about and hit over and over and over in practice, you can just tell it means a little more to kids when it costs them a game. And and that doesn't mean you're doing it any worse or any better than you were doing it when you won a close game a year ago or, or anything different than that. But, you know, to have the opportunity to fix those things, I think uh, I think that's really exciting for us. And, and uh, we don't just have to stew on it for months before we can start playing again. That's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're, you're in your fourth year now, and you kind of took over. You took over a program that was very successful how did you find the balance of wanting to keep what was already in place and then putting your own stamp on it? Where, where was the middle ground there? You know, um, truthfully, and I think Rick would tell you this, Coach Reinhardt would tell you this, um, he, from the day I walked onto a practice field at Tuscola, he let me coach, and that started in 2008. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if I, I never called plays here. Actually, I called the defense here for a number of years, but but um, and, and game plan defensively. And it was it was one of those deals where he let me go with it. You know, he let me make mistakes and learn from them. Um, and, he, and he knew that, that uh, certainly we were willing to work hard to fix the things that we weren't doing as well as we needed to. Um, but, you know, we're different. You look at our offense, we're different. Um than we were with Coach Winky and even than we were with Coach Reinhardt. Um, I did coach offensive line for Coach Reinhardt, and I, I would tell you um, I had a lot of input in the run game specifically and also in our pass protection. Um, but, uh, you know, when, I, when I've got to do some things um, myself, what I've tried to do, Joey, is I've tried to really make it to where I know what I thought we had trouble defending and what I thought was difficult for us to defend. And I thought, man, they can get an extra hat at the football by doing this. So we've tried to incorporate all the things that we thought was difficult to defend with our offense um, now that I'm doing that side of the ball. And, uh, you know, defensively, uh, we were an attack defense early on and become a read and react defense and a gap control defense. And that's kind of still where we're at as far as that goes. Now, Andy, I know you, uh, you played football in high school at South Pyatt. Is that correct? That's correct. And so, uh, what high school did you go to? Atwood uh, Hammond. Atwood Hammond. Atwood Hammond. And when did you graduate, and what was your football experience like in high school? So, uh, I, uh, I graduated from high school in 1998. So, the 1997 football season was my senior football season. Um, and, and I think, uh, by and large, a lot of people would tell you who are familiar with Little Oka Valley football at the time, that's probably the most competitive football season that there's there's ever been in the Little Oka Valley. The team that finished fifth in our league got beat by one point after a drop touchdown pass and a missed field goal in the semifinals. And that was Villa Grove, who was coached by our defensive coordinator, uh, Lenny Cementi. 
Um, that was his first year as a head coach at Villa Grove. And, and so Villa Grove beat South Pyatt, my high school football team, in week nine by two points, 14 to 12, to even get into the playoffs. And then they made a run to the semifinals and probably that day should have won the game and played the state championship. Um, Arcola got beat in the semifinals that year also. Um, we had hammered Arcola uh, in week six. Uh, in week five, Tuscola had beaten us. In week four, Arcola had hammered Tuscola. So uh, it was a really competitive year. But I would say this from, from my standpoint, growing up in a town like Atwood, um, I, I can't imagine of all the generations of kids that grew up there, that anyone was more blessed to be involved with the type of kids I was involved with and, and the type of people who I was able to coach. I mean, there's there's a who's who of kids and there's a who's who of, of coaches who have went on to do some pretty remarkable things that I was that I was uh, coached by as a kid and and um, it, it was a, it was a it was a really good good place when I was growing up and and I'm pretty fortunate to have the the upbringing that I had and the coaches that I had. Now, I think I had read somewhere that you uh, early, you knew you wanted to be a coach early. How did you then get into coaching? Uh, how did you get into it? Well, um, my my freshman year of college, uh, my high school football coach got sick um, and couldn't coach football any longer. His name was Jerry Smalling, and he was a longtime coach over at Iliopolis. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Famer in the state of Illinois. But... Uh, he couldn't coach, and so John Hayden, who is now the defensive coordinator at St. Teresa, was um, coming over to be the head coach at South Piat after coaching uh, on the '97 state championship team for Coach Ramsey at A&M. And uh, and so John was having some trouble finding some people, and um, I, I was asked. Uh, I had a chance to go play some small school baseball at Illinois College, and I had been asked to go be the defensive coordinator at route my very first year out of high school. Um, the defensive coordinator, my senior in high school, uh, went on to be the head football coach at Route High School uh, when I was a freshman in college. And uh, and so I had the opportunity to go do that. I chose not to do that. I was just going to go to college. I went to Eastern Illinois. And about midway through the football season, they had me in the box. Coach Hayden had me in the box doing some spot stuff for him, and that's kind of how I got my start in coaching right there. So, were you a better baseball player than football player? Then it sounds like uh, I, the kids ask me all the time. I, I, no, no doubt, no doubt. Baseball. I was a catcher, and I'll be honest with you, I can't stand to watch the game of baseball. It's so slow and boring. My wife loves it. Um, to me, it's so slow and boring. If I hadn't been a catcher. I never would have played baseball. I thought it was so boring. Um, but by far and away, I was a better baseball player than a football player. What position did you play in, in football? I was a guard, middle linebacker. Okay. Yeah, guard and a middle linebacker. So you went to you go to Tuscola in two thousand eight. Now that was was that the year? Was that uh, Reinhardt's first year? Yeah, it was. So tell um, me, how, how did that come about? How did it come about where you ended up at Tuscola? That's a pretty interesting story, actually. So I got a call in really late June of 08 from Ryan Hornaday, who was teaching here, who's now our athletic director. And Coach Hornaday said, hey, I want you to come over and coach football. Well, I was teaching at Atwood Hammond at the time, and I had went there uh, to teach while I finished up my master's degree and actually started coaching uh, basketball. 
while I was there. And Coach Hornaday called me and said, hey, we need a, we're going to need a football coach. Coach Winky had left to go up to Iowa. Coach Reinhardt was hired as the head football coach. And Coach Reinhardt called me the next day and said, hey, we're really looking for a high school football coach. Um, you know, and I've, I've heard your name thrown out quite a little bit. I wondered if you'd be interested. And uh, I said, you know, I said, I'm not a big believer of coaching one place, teaching in another place. I said, so, you know, if there's a teaching opening there, it's something I'd be interested in. But I said, otherwise, hey, you know, I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to pass. Now, Tuscola at the time was in a really similar place to, like, I think Tolono Unity is in right now. Uh, our 2007 team here, the Coach Winky's last team, graduated 20 of 22 starters. Okay, so so that's a pretty big rebuilding job. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think there was a lot of uncertainty over here with where Tuscola football could go from that point. Um, and, uh, and so in August, like August 6th or something like that, I get a phone call and I said, hey, we've got a PE opening over here. Still interested in it. And I said, well, yeah, I'll come over. So I interviewed for the job and got the job um, and literally met the kids before the start of the first practice, hit the ground running, um, and uh, and had a pretty good hand in it at that point by week five. But I'll tell you something really interesting from that season. I talk to coaches about this all the time. There's usually a defining moment in a season, or if you look at, like, different people, you know, there's a – and programs that have that are on the rise or whatever and our program was really good but it, it was in very unstable area in terms of kids and new coaches and we won a game at clinton um in week two that year seven to six blocked an extra point um scored late made the extra point to win the game and clinton had a decent team not a great team but uh, a, a decent team that year. And, you know, if we had lost that game, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, if we had lost that game at Clint, I'm not sure where our football season goes. And, and we ended up winning that game, won on a nice little run. And, you know, that's in the days of the Big Oka Valley where that schedule was brutal. <laughs> um, went, on a, went on a good run to finish six and three and then hammered uh, a nine and zero route team in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, got to the semifinal quarterfinals and had a late lead at home against Triopia and lost it. Triopia won the state championship by 40 points. So you know we had our chances. We had our chances there. You had. Um, that, I, I remember. I, I didn't cover that game, but I remember it very well. That, that it was a Tuscola had the ball late in that one, and and there was a fumble or something like that. Where it, it, like, well, we we had the ball late in the game and went for it on a fourth and one. It was a driving, sleet, windy. Went for it on fourth and one instead of punting into that stuff. Picked up the first down and then fumbled the fumbled the ball away on first down and gave up a touchdown pass in the ensuing play. So it was crushing and heartbreaking, but at the same time, I think, very, very motivating for our kids. That was a young, pretty young team. I mean, there was, if I remember correctly, there were, I mean, there were some good tough seniors, but there were that, that, that was a fairly young group, if I remember correctly. No, no doubt, a really, really young group, and it gave us an unbelievable core and a tremendous nucleus coming back in two thousand and nine. Andy, at what point? And I'm sure Justin probably knows this, but I don't. When, when did Stan come back to to be around the program, and how much have you picked his brain? Because I know he's always there, and he's somebody a lot of people go to. Yeah. So, Coach Winky was only in Iowa for the 2008 season 
Um, you know, he went up to Waterloo West, and I don't think he, and I didn't know him very well at the time. I knew of him, would say hi to him, but I didn't know him very well. Um, he came back to the program with Rick's blessing in 2009, and, you know, his, his, his knowledge. And, and our kids, we noticed our kids were so in space because of what they had been taught, you know, early on in their career, even those seniors in 08 and 09, they were so good in space. And, and so that kind of kept us in, in some spread formation stuff. Um, but, uh, but you know, he's he's been an unbelievable asset to me. Uh, Rick was a tremendous asset from the standpoint of he came in and just let me coach, let me learn, get better, try to improve things. That didn't work at all. It was a colossal failure. Um, and, uh, and, and fix it. And uh, I can give you an example of one of those, too. But, but, uh, but then Coach Winky come in and just, you know, you, you learn so much from guys just because of the amount of experience they have and they've, they've done this and failed this and, and, uh, and all those types of things. So it's, it's one of those deals where, you know, I was, I was really blessed to have two, two really big influences like that really early in my tenure here at Tuscola. Now, uh, you know, and then when Rick left, I mean, at that point, when, when Rick Reinhardt decided to leave Tuscola, were you, I mean, at that point, were you like, I, I want to be the head coach of Tuscola? Or how did that kind of, I mean, were, did you feel like that was, you know, uh, basically should be your job when he left? Or how did that come about? You know, I don't know if I ever felt like it should be my job. I, I think there might have been some people around who felt that. Um, I don't know that I ever felt that, but I did feel like, you know, I never had a gigantic ego to go on and become a head coach. And, you know, I, I don't throw this out there to everybody, but there were calls. Um, there were calls when I was a defensive coordinator here, and we were pretty successful. And and uh, But nothing that I ever thought, you know, it's it can't be a lateral move. And, and quite honestly, I think when you look at our program at Tuscola, there's a lot of moves that are either lateral or below because um, I think we've got a pretty elite program. But, um, you know, I never had a huge ego to go on and become a head coach. It was more important to me to be around kids who wanted to work hard and wanted to be successful and, and knew what it took to win, and that work ethic is really hard to go somewhere else and teach and, and try to and try to get buy-in. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I've talked to a lot of coaches about this. When you go to a new program, if there's not a – a, a tradition in place and a culture uh, to appoint a culture in place you almost have to get lucky that number one people will stick behind you and number two you almost have to get lucky to have the right class come along at the right time and uh, and so I just it was more important to me to with the stability we had my wife really likes it here we thought this is a good place to raise our kids it was more important to me to be in a, a good stable place but you know, I thought if I was going to take a chance to be a head coach, now's the time to do it. If it didn't work out, then maybe I just wouldn't be a head football coach, and that's okay too, because um, we were still going to be in a place where we could be successful and 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 uh, you know, it could it could sustain for a long period of time. Now, I feel like everybody knows you as a football coach, but off the field, you've got interest in cars. How did that come about, and what's the extent of your interest in racing and cars? Yes. Uh, it's kind of a neat story. Um, I was about 11 years old. My brother was the type of kid who, he was, he was never a gigantic uh, sports enthusiast. He played some sports when he was young. Um, and, and I think my, my dad was always after my brother to try and 
you know, find him some interest in something. So my brother went to the racetrack with my uncle right when he turned 16 years old. And he, my brother, my nephew, his whole family, his wife, they've been racing cars ever since. I didn't want anything to do with racing cars. I wanted to play. I wanted a. I wanted a, a ball. I wanted ball sports. You know, I wanted football. I wanted basketball. I wanted baseball. I was competitive to a fault. Um, and so, and so, you know, I, I didn't really want a lot to do with it. When I was about fourteen. My dad said, "Hey, do you want to? You want to? You think you might want to race?" And I'm like, "No, I want. I want to play sports." And he says, well, he says, Andy, one day, he says, that window's going to close, and you're going to have to have something to fill your competitive nature. He says, oh, there's going to be a void there, and it's going to get filled by something, and it might not be good. So I'm kind of like, I'm 14, you know, I know everything. So I'm like, uh, whatever. So lo and behold, one day, my dad says, hey, we're going to go look for a car we can start building for you. And, and I think, Joey, looking back on it, Justin looking back on it, it had as much to do with my dad teaching me how to work with my hands as it ever did anything else. He just wanted me to he just wanted me to be able to fix a sink at my house or cut some wood trim or fix some drywall or just to learn how to work with my hands. It had nothing to do really with me wanting to be competitive and race cars, but man, when I started doing it, you know, if it's I've always felt this way, if it's worth doing, it's worth trying to be the best at. And uh, and so it got real competitive real quick. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you're you're not just a guy who who drives. I mean, I don't want to throw the word legend around <laughs> lightly, but at Coles County Dragway, I mean, Andy Romine is definitely a name that uh, to be reckoned with. Well, uh, I appreciate you saying that. I would never say that, but but uh, I, I've I've had some success down there. I don't get a race nearly as much as I would like to. Uh, with with our kids being so young and our, our family growing like it is, um, but uh, you know, I, I had a couple years ago, I had a real good year where about about every other time I went there, um, I was able to win the event. Uh, so I had I had a good run at it. I haven't got into a great rhythm racing this year, and I just don't race once football starts. But uh, but 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 looking back at the beginning of that, I think my dad. My dad's a pretty intelligent guy, and I think he wanted me to learn to work with my hands far more than he ever wanted me to become a um, a really good race car driver or something like that. You know, so that was that was his end game. It worked, and in the end, I'll, people have asked me a lot. They want me to compare. Hey, what's football like compared to racing? And there's no comparison because they're so different. Other than this. You know, when, you're, when there's 10 cars left and you're sitting under the tower getting ready to pull onto the track and, you know, you're racing for five or $10,000 and you got a chance to, to put some money in your pocket like that, the, the feeling you I get sitting in the water box is the exact same feeling I have one minute before we kick off against St. Teresa in a gigantic game. It's the same feeling. And I think, I think, I think that's, you know, I think everybody has to have something they're drawn to. And I'm drawn to that to the point I might be addicted to that very feeling. I can't get away from it. <laughs> now, now, you said, you, you know, now you, you understand that your dad wanted you to work with your hands, but when did you come to that realization? I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't when you first started this. Was there an aha moment that you had later in life? When I, you mean, when you realized, aha moment where I, like, I really like doing this? Well, when you realized what the, what the goal for your dad was, when you realized oh, that he wanted you to work with your hands. It hasn't been until the last five or six years where, I start to think back and I'm like, you know, people ask, how'd you get started in this? I'm like, well, my dad kind of wanted me to do this. He's like, well, why? And I, 
don't really know. I, I think it's be. I really. We didn't have industrial arts or shop or lathes or mills or anything like that at Atwood Ammon High School. We just didn't have any of that stuff. Okay, and, and so I didn't know how to do anything. You know, I think my dad. My dad built a new house when we were a junior in high school, and he made me build this house. And I'm like, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing here. <laughs> um, but he made me sit there and do it, and he made me sit there and cut drywall and hang drywall, and he made me help help him pull wires through the house and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, yes, he just wants me to do this so he doesn't have to do as much, and we weren't going to pay anybody to do it because <laughs> we didn't have that kind of money. Um, and, I, and I just, looking back on it, I'm convinced that's exactly why we did it, just so I knew how to do it. And I didn't have to call and pay for somebody to do that stuff when we get older because it's expensive and it's uh, um, it's important to be able to do some of that stuff yourself. Now, Andy, I guess, and pardon my ignorance on this, what exactly do you race? Is it is it, like, can you describe it to me? Well, I think when people think about race cars, they think about cars going in circles. Right. And, and we're... A, what we do is called it's a handicap bracket race okay i'm gonna tell you a story here so you don't have to have the fastest car at the racetrack to win a, win a bracket race and there's things called breakouts where you put a dial in on your window and basically you have to leave on time with a reaction time and and i'll just tell you if i'm not within about 20 thousandths of a second from perfect on the leave i'm pretty upset with myself (laughs) and and then and then your goal is you need to be um above the dial in on your window so if if i dial 651 the perfect run is you want to be 0.000 on the tree that means you're perfect to the thousandth on the tree and you want to run 651 with a zero that's a perfect run if you go faster than that 651 it's a breakout and so you can't win on a breakout unless your opponent leaves too early or he or she breaks out by more than you. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, you guys got time for this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was 2007. I wasn't coaching football. It's the only year I haven't coached football since 1998. And uh, my buddies and I go down to watch Auburn and Ole Miss play football. There were four of us. And uh, we just were going down to watch Auburn and Ole Miss play football at Ole Miss because we heard it was an awesome venue. And I wasn't coaching football that year, so I had a chance to do it. And uh, so one of my really good buddies who has since passed away says, hey, he's like about 30 minutes north of There's a place called Holly Springs Motorsports Park, and they're racing tonight. And so I'm like, that'd be cool to... That'd be cool to see. Let's, let's go up there after the game. So we went up there, and we pull in the gate. The lady at the gate says... And since then, I've become pretty, pretty, pretty familiar with Holly Springs Motorsports Park, but I had no idea even what it was back in the day. So we go in there, and the lady at the gate says, well, y'all want to race this car? And we were driving my buddy's 2003 Dodge Neon. <laughs> okay? And, and so I look at my buddy. It's his car, but I was driving. It's his car, and he looks at me, and he's like, I don't care. And I'm like, sure, put me in. She says, it's $30. I said, $30 to win once. She says, well, it's $1,000 to win foot break tonight. And I said, well, he'll put me in twice. <laughs> so I enter twice. And so I somehow get onto a little bit of a run in this car. And it's, it would only run 57 miles an hour and 11.56 seconds down the eighth mile. But you were racing against everybody else that was there that didn't have electronics. And so lo and behold, I have both of my entries left at 10 cars. 
and I raced this old boy from Mississippi who I've since come to know is an absolute legend around the southeastern part of the country. <laughs> and his name was Steve Stites. And he got shot with a BB gun when he was a youngster, and he only has one eye. So he has to. So I found out he has to race only in the right lane because he can see out of his left eye. Okay, this is a true story. He's a great guy, too. And uh, I end up beating Steve Stites. Okay, and so Steve Stites had both entries left also. So when we come back to five cars, I've got to race Steve Stites again. But this time I had lane choice. And you may say, well, this is a real jerk move. I I put him in the left lane. So he, he couldn't see quite as good. And, and he laid down a really good run. I ended up beating him. And all of all, I go on to win the bracket race that night down in Mississippi, a thousand bucks. You know, it was only a thousand bucks and nobody's going to, a thousand dollars isn't going to change anybody's life. But, you know, I was, I was a pretty young kid back then. And man, when I rolled out of that place, we just felt like we were on top of the world. And, and, uh, we ended up going to the casinos in, uh, in Tunica, Mississippi. And I don't gamble at all. And we won another $400 and went home and paid for the whole weekend. And it's probably one of the coolest weekends of my life because uh, it involved both football and old Miss and also racing cars. So a uh, pretty interesting night for sure. So you've, have you gone back to that track since? You said you got pretty familiar with it. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, went back down there. Um, the following spring, I went back down there in a borrowed race car and for a big money race had it down to three cars and and had a stage beam shut off on me while i was staged uh and and didn't even get to run the round and didn't rerun the round it didn't so got beat at three cars then and and then we've been down there three or four times and there's a really big bracket race in october down there that obviously i can't get to but if that that race is in the spring i'd be down there every year it pays good money three days in a row five grand i think three days in a row so those those types of races i'd like to get to a lot i can't um so i have to kind of do it locally and and i don't get to do it as much as i want but but uh, it's for fun so you're I, i've been meaning to ask you this since since you went up to decal last year what is the inside scoop on the week of state what what was surprise i mean just that that whole experience there's so much going on especially for you i feel like you know, you're on the phone every day with someone different. What is what is that week like? Yeah, you know, it's not as hectic as it used to be. And listen, I'm a storyteller. I got a class um, getting ready to come in, but I, I'm going to tell you another story. <laughs> so in 2000, and I, I talked to Josh Joseph about this last year at Quincy at the Mid-State. And, you know, they've been there a number of times also. And, and so they've got a pretty good handle on He says, Andy, I've tried it every different way you can imagine. He said, you've basically got to survive the week and keep it as normal as possible, you know, and, and, and just you got to survive the week and get there with your kids healthy and focused. That's the goal. So in 2010, we had school Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We didn't have it Thursday. And so we chased turf fields and trying to prep for this and prep for that. And I thought we were thoroughly unprepared through nobody's fault we just didn't do it right i I felt and and we've talked about this since and we did it differently the next year in 11 but we were down at eastern trying to get on their turf and it was pouring down rain so then we were inside their indoor facility it's as big as a junior high classroom i'm standing in right now and it was a disaster i mean just an absolute disaster 
And I felt like at the end of that week, we weren't nearly as prepared as we could have been if we just would have stayed at Tuscola High School and done what we do. So we did that in 2011, had a much better week and performed well. So, you know, you've got to kind of plan these things ahead. You hate to plan ahead and put the cart before the horse. But we've had plans as how we would do this in the past if we would go up to DeKalb. And, and so what we did last year is, since you're short a day and you're playing Friday morning, we did our normal our normal Monday film on Sunday night. And we don't like to do stuff on Sundays, but in this case, I don't think anybody in town would really care if we're saying, well, we're trying to get prepared to win this thing. They're all for it, right? <laughs> so then, then, then Monday was like our normal. Tuesday we practiced. Tuesday was like our normal. Wednesday we practiced. And then and then we're actually driving up to DeKalb Thursday, Thanksgiving, to, to, to get up and get to the hotel and stuff. And, uh, and so, because we play at 10 in the morning, so you got to be there at 8, right? Mm-hmm. So we practiced at Caneland High School. One of our former assistants, Drew Sturkel, is the uh, he's the offensive coordinator at Caneland High School. And so we went up to Caneland High School and practiced and drove the extra 15 minutes into the hotel at Rochelle. And I thought we were about as prepared and focused as we possibly could be. Um, you know, if we played at 1 o'clock that afternoon, maybe we take the long bus ride. But playing at 10 o'clock in the morning, you have no choice but to go up there and and get yourself ready to go and try to get a good night's sleep. And I thought we did as good of a job as we could do last year, and we were ready to play, and it didn't work out. Awesome. Andy, I know you've got to teach. Thank you so much for, for taking the time, man, and good luck to us this season. Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks for everything. Uh, we always appreciate the coverage you guys give us and all of our local high school football. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Andy. It. See ya. See, see ya.